Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. So without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. My name is Norma Earl Williams and I'm from Queens, New York. Oh, me too. <laughs> and were you living in Queens during the pandemic? Yes. Yes, I was. Um, I was living here. Uh, I grew up, I actually grew up in this house and I moved away when I got married and I came back to take care of my mom in about 1997 because she had gotten dementia. And so my kids actually grew up here as well. So uh, on my block, um, I live in uh, the area I live in is it's right where Queens Village, Cambria Heights, St. Albans, and Hollis touch each other. So, um, yep. So this is that's where I'm from. Oh, I know exactly where that is. I went to the the Montessori in St. Albans when I was a child. I think oh. it's, I think it's still there. Where? Oh, <laughs> uh, I just know St. Albans. I could look it up actually. Um, <laughs> Where did you grow up in Queens? Where were oh, I guess around here? I grew up in Rochdale Village. Oh, okay. I have uh, friends that live there. Oh, you do? Yeah. It was it's the history is interesting. I didn't know until I was an adult that prior to the 70s, it was a largely Jewish white neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a friend uh that I used to work with grew up she's Jewish and she grew up in Rochdale and I was like you grew up in Rochdale <laughs> how did that happen but then I, re I remember that there's a Jewish center which is no longer a Jewish center and and all of that all I know is that it's very hard to park so I avoid going <laughs> yes it is <laughs> yeah um oh I found the Montessori is on Linden Boulevard 195-03 wow I think that that's where I had my first job with summer youth when I was 14 years old, so my first official job with a paycheck. Oh. It was called Weiss Memorial Daycare Center. I don't know if that's the same one, but I think that that, that might be it. It's at, at 195th in Linden. I, I think it might be the same place. So we're connected. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So let's see. Oh, and then I also like to ask, um, were you working or going to school or during the pandemic? Or? Well, yes, I was working and um, I, I was working and I was trying. My, my intention was to retire in 2023. And in January of. In January of 20. 21, I decided, nope, I'm not going to make it till 2023. I'll go to 2022. Mm -hmm. And in May of 2021, 
was like, nope, I'm good. I'm done. As soon as I can go, I'm going. So I retired August 1st, 2021. Congratulations. Gratefully, <laughs> gratefully. Yes, I, I was working from home and I was not, I, I was, it was just overwhelming mm-hmm. um, because I feel I was actually working, doing more work from home than, than, than I would actually be doing in the office. So, and um, you know, it just, it was a hard, it was a hard adjustment for all of us because I worked with schools. Um, we supported schools in special education mm. and um, I had changed uh, jobs. So I was managing a team of people so everybody had to check in and all we had, a, I felt like we had, we had a team where, you know, people were going to do what they were supposed to do, but the gen, the team throughout the city, you know, they put things in place. So it's like, well, how are we going to know they're working? They have to check in. We have to have these meetings. So I felt like there was a lot of meetings going on for the sake of having meetings. And it just was like, I, I'm, I, I don't, enjoy that type of work so you know it was it was hard to adjust because the schools had to adjust and the schools Mm -hmm. that I was working with they they had several schools that were in a red zone so although everybody was working from home then you had a lot of people non-english speaking families who um you know the technology was an issue even though people they provided technology but then the language was an issue and then the the work, you know, there were a lot of um, challenges in helping families and helping kids. So, and trying to educate kids, but then the testing was taken away or, you know, an option, optional at that point. There were just a lot of moving parts that didn't connect. Mm-hmm. And um, I was lucky to have worked um, in a field that I cared about and I learned a lot and we were able to help kids and help families and do a lot of things throughout my career. But at this particular point, it was like, I felt like my job changed to checking boxes and I never ever wanted to be a box checker. So I was disconnected with what I was doing and I wasn't happy. And I think, well, we, I remember, um, I remember being on a train and, you know, the the train was fairly empty. It was on the Long Island Railroad, actually. And there was a woman on the, on the trains that was not sitting, that was sitting not far from me. And she was coughing and coughing and she was on her phone. She's saying, I don't know what this is. They have to figure out what this is. I feel like I'm going to die. And I'm like, oh my God, let me hold my breath for the rest of the ride or whatever. And I think eventually I, I moved, but then about a month later, we started getting COVID reports, mm-hmm. reports of COVID. And actually somebody that I worked with her in December, her daughter was really sick and you know they didn't know what it was. And, and I think it may have been COVID. Um, I think the woman on the train may have been COVID, but once we started hearing about COVID and, and um, I, I kept thinking, oh, well, that sounds like it might've been COVID. And then we're like, what is this? Or, you know, why it, it, it's drama. Like they, there's so much drama that they're, you know, 
they put things out or say things and like why are we why are we uh what are we trying to be distracted from what is this mass panic that's being created and then it's like there's more kept happening and then you started seeing the lines of people outside of hospitals and and those those um just lines and lines of people i'm like well this is serious something's happening and i remember the last two weeks the last day i went to work was march 16th 2020 and I also, and I remember the two weeks prior to that, I would drive to the train station, look for a parking space and then say, no, I'm just gonna drive to Brooklyn. Uh And so I drove to work for two weeks and then I, um, on, on that Friday, I said, you know, I think they had given us I don't remember what it was, but I said, I called my, my supervisor and said, I can't come in. I don't feel safe taking the train or being in the office. I'm going to work from home. I'll check in with you. I'm here. I'm working, but I'm not, I can't come to the office. And then that following Monday, which was the 19th, they had said that we could work from home. Okay. And so from, from that time, there was like chaos in everybody's world of trying to figure out how we're supposed to do this. How are we supposed to train people? How are we supposed to uh, visit schools? How, what are we, what are we doing now that we can't go to these places? So there was a period of all of these rules that were being, you know, thought up and made up and, you know, dealing with that. And luckily for me in, in, at the end of June, my staff was off for the summer. So I was basically doing other work from home. So I did that and just everybody was calm. The people that I had to work with in my immediate group were everybody was calm and just checking on each other, making sure that everybody was okay. And, you know, the extra rules, I just saw an Instagram post last week about LARBing, which is an expression, a term that I hadn't heard, but LARBing was like people who were, trying to prove they're working by creating things to do and, oh. and creating emails to say that they're doing it. And this is how we all should do it. And this is, you know, so it was a lot of that. I don't, oh. it, it just, that type of stuff is not fun for me. It's not what I signed up for. I don't, you know, do what you're doing. I'm glad you're doing it. We don't all need to know about it. If there's something we all need to do the same way, let's just do it. But then, you know, we don't all need to do things, everything the same way, as long as we get the ultimate situation done. But right. sometimes I'm a thinker who thinks things, I don't know. I, 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 I don't appreciate extra for the sake of being extra. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember at some point in May, um, it, it was around Mother's Day because I'm a gardener. I, I love gardening. Oh. And I hadn't been doing my garden. I hadn't started it. I usually start it like around Mother's Day because then the you know it's the right time here in the city to for the weather to do that. And I think it must have been the week after that. And I hadn't done my garden and I wasn't sleeping well and I was just super stressed and and not enjoying that work situation at all. And um I took I I took a day off. I took I took uh it was a Friday, probably. I took Friday off 
And I went out in my garden at seven o'clock in the morning and I started digging up dirt. And I just started turning, like I just, I just sat and played in the dirt, digging up my garden, planting things for that whole weekend. So I was literally in my garden from seven o'clock till in the morning till nine o'clock at night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I was renewed and refreshed and grateful that I had dirt to dig in and I had my own backyard. So I was in my own space with no, you know, there were, it was a safe space. There weren't people, a lot of people around. Um, before that, like, before that, I, I had gotten, I'm a person that needs to go outside every day. Mm-hmm. I have to go outside every day. Even if it's just for a few minutes, when I lived in an apartment, I had a terrace. Even if I went on the terrace in the middle of winter at some, during the day, I needed, I need outside time and I need mm-hmm. alone time. So I was okay with the, you know, not being around people all the time, but I needed to go outside. And at, at one point I started, um, I started getting in my car with the windows rolled up because everybody was driving with their windows closed and their mask on and all of this stuff inside the car. So I would just drive and I would drive for a half an hour, probably in a circle. A lot of times I would just drive in a circle or drive around and, and then I would come home feeling like, okay, I went outside, I did something, but then I realized I'm just in the car. I'm not really going out. So uh, there were a couple of spots that are like parks with woods and, you know, that I would go sit in the parking lot of the park if there were people walking around or get out the car and just be. Sometimes I I, I learned at that point, too, that uh, I had headphones and I could do Zoom from my phone. And we had these Friday meetings, which were I had like on Friday, I had like a set of three hour meetings back to back to back. So unless it was a meeting where I had to be active rather than a meeting where I was just listening, mm-hmm. I would put my headphones on and I would just walk. So the first time I did that, because, you know, the, the first time I did it, I put my headphones on. I said, I'm going to see if I can take this Zoom meeting on my headphones from my phone. So I started walking. And I walked two and a half miles the first time. And I was like, wow, that's, that's good. I'm good. I'm I, All right. So I started doing that. And then if I had a meeting where I had to be more active, there's a high school a few blocks away. So I would walk and then I would get go to the high school because it's only like three blocks away. I can get home if I need to get to the computer. So mm-hmm. I started walking around the high school and just walking around the block over and over, which I don't like to do. But, you know, I was still outside. And then um, that following September, that September, people went back to school. And I was feeling like, I don't want to go back to an office. Mm-hmm. I don't, our office was, you know, you can't open the windows. It's downtown Brooklyn. The windows didn't open. There was construction across the street. There was a lot of dust and, and, and there was carpet, which I don't have in my house. Yeah. And um, so I definitely didn't want to go back to the office. And from that, um, luckily we didn't have to at that point. Um, we didn't, we didn't have to go back to the office yet. And, and my, my team was um, 
amazing. They, they were able to do their trainings and stuff online. And some of them had like regular followers. So we were doing our work. We were doing, you know, what we were, what we needed to do. So work was good, but work was for me went beyond the regular hours. So all of that excess stuff made me, it was just tension building and building and building and building. And I didn't, I wasn't enjoying my work. And after like 30, 34 years or 30 something years of working in different jobs in the board of it in New York city, DOE, I, I loved most of my time working. And at this point I absolutely was not enjoying it. So I thought something was wrong with me because like, why, you know, am I like, what's going on? But th there were a lot of extenuating circumstances. So eventually I came to the wise decision of leaving um, in August of 2021. So during that time, it kind of um, sped up my progression to, to, to leave and live and enjoy my life. So that's where I am now. Congratulations on retiring. After you said after 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. Just about. Because so, a lot of people there back in 2022, people were talking about the great resignation, but there's also the people retiring, leaving mm -hmm. the workforce because of the change. Because I'm, I'm a professor and I used to teach middle school. I think a lot of us who work in education like to be around people. So I can imagine transitioning from kids. <laughs> kids, because babysitting the adults was always the hardest job. You know, <laughs> the kids were always the best part of the job. And yeah, yeah. Although yeah. I, I taught, I taught at, at the university level too. But, you know, kids were always, for me, kids were the fun part. And, and in some places, um, when you work and your team is a family and everybody has the same goal. And it's not like, uh, when people are wor working towards the same goal in a united way, it's it's wonderful. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. This is true, because I love my students, right? That's yeah. different from people. <laughs> They're fun. They're fun. Yeah. Kids are always fun and honest. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And also you brought up the point about how the, organizations didn't know how to monitor their employees. And that was a huge, like, I remember lots of discussions on social media where people were feeling micromanaged and the corporations weren't trusting people to work from home. Like, they are working from home because you see the output, you know? Like, you don't have to know that they got up at 11.13 to go to the bathroom. It, I mean, it, like, come on, if you were, if we were in the office, people would get up and go out and get a cup of coffee, right? you know, or people would get up or have conversations with their team. And, and that was the part that was, um, that we missed because my team liked each other. So we, mm -hmm. whenever we would have meetings and we would, we would make jokes and we would laugh, but then the, the larger portion of that was, you know, proving that you're doing something and you're like, come on, we're, you know, what, what are we doing differently? Because we're actually, or at least I putting in more hours. Right. So that, that was, that was the hard part. That was the other part. A lot of people were working 10, 12, 14 hours a day at home because yeah. the emails didn't stop and, right. and they just said, well, you're home. So they just assumed 
you would keep working because you said you had three three hour meetings back to back no no like three hours of meetings back oh. but three different meetings so an hour an hour now yeah um it was that was really hard because you know i'm I, i'm a pretty simple person like i don't i just don't like the excess i don't need you to i don't like jumping through hoops and i don't like I don't like, I, I don't want to put anybody in a position where that's what they're doing because to me, it's pointless. What's the point of that? We could be spending more time kind of thinking of a way to make things work better or, or connecting with people who need us to work with them and that type of stuff rather than having meetings to talk about. We have like having meetings to talk about the meetings that we've had. Like, you know, I just, ah. I don't have time for this. Like, yes. I, you know, that's not where I want to share, spend my life. And I'm seeing this, these people, like they're people, you're seeing them way more than you really want to or need to. So, yeah. Yes. There's a lot of that, the meetings about the meetings. It, it yeah. was very existential. It's just, it, yeah. Like, yeah. Like so there was a lot of, uh, for me, like not sleeping well, not, you know, not, eating well, not sleeping well, not feeling like feeling excessively drained. And then there were, you know, all of the, the other things that were going on in the country. And as a black person in America, it's like, it's overwhelming. And then I have to say this first, there was so much joy that I felt in seeing the young people coming out and doing the things that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so proud of, of the passion and the peace and the unity that I felt at that point in time, because it was like, I, it was a time where I, I truly felt enough is enough and something needs to be done and it's not happening but there was a lot of like the peace and the peaceful protests and the the community that that came together and that that became more visible was was really nice and beyond nice i don't even know you know the word to use but that brought me a lot of joy and and pride in in the young black community yeah did you go to any of the black lives matter protests there was one i didn't go because of concerns health concerns that and being around a lot of people but there was one that was in my neighborhood that i kind of passed through right so it was it was nice to see that and and then um, going out and actually eventually driving around the city and seeing like pockets of things happening. Okay. So, and I, and with me, with work, I was on the computer way more than I wanted to be. And so I avoided anything online. I didn't do anything online at all, yeah. other than listen to DJs. I learned a, a, a lot of DJs that uh, I, I, started to follow after that or a few did you go to the um, 
who was it? D nice. Yeah. D nice. He started it. And yeah, yeah I, I went to, I would always tune into some of his and I love seeing, you know, in, in Brooklyn and, and different places where people lived in buildings. I live in a house. So where people were on their rooftops or leaning out the windows or clapping for people as they came home, you know, the, the nurses and the first, the first responders and that type of thing. So yeah, as an, I love New York and, and seeing all the New York things. Um, I guess I was online cause I did see that I did Instagram and, and I did, I did see that. And, um, you know, certain DJs every Friday night or, th- you know, they would have their thing and I'm, I'm a big music lover. So I definitely tuned into those things. Oh, I do remember. Yeah. Early in the p- pandemic before the, the protest started, yeah. people, neighborhoods were clapping. We did it, even did it in Rochdale. The, um, the, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if it was the police or a fire truck would like sound the siren and people would clap and bang like their pots and pans <laughs> out the window. Yeah. 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 I like the unity that it brought, like uh, as a New Yorker um, who loves New York dearly, I love that New Yorkers get each other. So even though everybody says that we are cold and distant and we don't, you know, we're not friendly, if you need help, we will help you. And like during times, I remember years ago after after 9-11 that for, it was more than six months before I saw or heard anybody blow a horn. Oh. And I remember it was like, it was spring break for, my kids were in elementary school. One had was in the, in the fifth grade and one was in the sixth grade. One was in junior high, one was in elementary. And um, I remember going to the park and I wanted them to learn how to hit a baseball. So we were, you know, playing baseball. And then a couple of other families came over and we were playing together. And so we had, you know, parents at the park with their kids and we all started playing baseball with the kids. And a plane went by and everybody stopped and looked up. So we had that, that shock of, you know, every time a plane went by, everybody would kind of like gasp, not really gasp, but everybody would just get quiet and look, you know, like it was trauma. We were, we were going through PTSD from still from 9-11 at that point. And um, so, but we all, everybody, I remember at that point too, everybody giving each other water and helping each other out and being kind and being patient with each other. And this was, was another time where we kind of came together and, would be patient. And I remember there was a, an older woman, she was in her eighties that lived down the block and I had gone over and taken her. I, you know, I don't know her. She used to walk a lot, this lady. Mm-hmm. And I would bring, uh, I, 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 I was like worried about her because I hadn't seen her. And I went over and I rang her bell. I'd packed up, well, what do I have here? Tuna fish, uh, some eggs and, you know, peanut butter or whatever. And I packed up these things, like what would she need? Like some, if she can't get groceries or that type of thing. So I just packed up a bag and took it down to her house. And I left it there. And then somebody else said, I saw me coming from her house. 
And they said, did she answer the door? And I said, yes, she did. You know, I just brought something down for her. I left it by the back door. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, good, because I, w- I brought her something last week and I was wondering, like, if she used it or she needed it. So, oh. so people check in, you know, and people, you know, the little lady who doesn't speak English, I think she's from Ecuador or Peru, who collects the bottles like you see, you know, you didn't see her for a while. So um. like all of those little people that that you don't really they're not really in your life, but they are. They're like those characters that you never know the whole story of. Like yeah. people checked in with those people and which, which was was good because that's what we should do oh I love that so you were going out were you grocery shopping in person um actually I no at that point my kids were both living at home mm-hmm. and they were you know they're adults and they were both living here and they would one would go on at you know a certain time and try to fill an order they would we would like they would fill their carts instacart amazon whatever groceries and and i remember them being up at two o'clock in the morning yelling i got it i got it it's coming it'll be here tomorrow you know like so they were doing it that way and then at one point i had gone to a store to pick something up that i could only get at that store and it wasn't even groceries it was something that we needed and i had to go there and it was a store where they weren't opening up but if you called them they would you know let you come and it would be you had to wear a mask and gloves and it was only one person in at a time so I went to Brooklyn to that store and across the store was a grocery store and I looked and there was um I had driven by there and there was a line before and at this on this day there was only two people so I said okay well let me run in and get those something like little snacks or something and when I came home, I had gotten two bags of groceries from the store that I went into. And uh, I remember my kids were so angry at me. And one of my daughters, she just started crying and she said, what are you doing? You know, you could die. You know, we're, we're ordering stuff. We're staying up all hours of the night and having stuff delivered so you don't have to go out and you're going in. You're not like, how are you not taking care of yourself? You're not. I, I felt so bad. I also felt like, all right, calm down. I'm going to live. But I didn't know that, you know, at that point, we still didn't know the effects of what was going to happen. And they were just like so angry that they were crying and I felt like well god I'm fine you know I I wore like three masks and I had gloves on and if somebody was in one aisle at one end of the store I went to a different one and you know all of that but and then after it was like all right guys I'm good calm down and it was like okay come through the back door strip down, throw your clothes in the washing machine. We'll toss something for you to put, like, don't even bring the clothes in the house. And I, I, I felt kind of uh, like weird in a sense of like, I always have this, like how much of this is real and how much of this is, is mass hysteria uh-huh. and how much of this is real and how much of it is controlling us like are they doing this just to like I I have this this thing that I say or I feel like they're throwing the baby in traffic so they can steal your wallet you know so you're attending to this so all of this other stuff can go on and you're not paying attention 
So that's kind of, although, you know, because of health reasons, I have to kind of make sure that I'm, or, or try not to get sick. Right. Um, or at least that's what they tell you, but, um, I, I always think there's more to this than they're telling us and, oh, just so much, so much mind control that, that happens in these situations. And also since we, we used to, we like to do gardening, um, ever since I was a kid and I lived here, my, I would do gardening in the yard with my mom. And then as with, with my daughter, one of them is a chef, not by trade, but by, you know, that's one of her, her, she went to culinary school and she cooked. So she would grow vegetables. And then I'm thinking, like, I always think certain things that they're doing in, in, in the public um, or in the city and in lots of places, if I go out of my way to build a bed and a garden bed and put organic soil in it and buy organic heirloom seeds and do all of this and you spray for mosquitoes, what's the point? Mm. You know, so you, you try to do the right thing, but then there's also, there's always the exterior influences on what you're doing. So, um, that that was one of the exterior things that was going on like how much of this is actually true and how much of it is actually like you see people are sick you hear people that are congested like how bad they feel and how sick they feel so what is this coming from like mm -hmm. you know like because just with like the flu they tell you, you get a flu vaccine i've never gotten a flu vaccine but i've never gotten the flu and then they'll say that this type of flu is what we're expecting. How do you know that? Like, mm. how do you know what type of flu is coming? And how do you know, like, if you give a vaccine, like now they're saying, oh, the boosters are not for the type of COVID that people are getting right now. It, you know, so if you haven't gotten your booster yet, you should wait till next time because the COVID that's going around now is not what's, or what they're expecting. How are you expecting, like, you know, that's a good point. Like how, but, how, how do you expect all of these things and, and are able to create a vaccine ahead of time for mm -hmm. something, you know, I mean, of course there are scientific things, but really, come on, we're, get, we're getting this type, you know, the vaccine was for flu they didn't expect. So you still have the flu because that vaccine didn't work. So it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But, I, I always question certain things to you my have really good points because I've interviewed other people some uh, person didn't get the vaccine because they're like well if it doesn't really protect you from getting the virus then it's not a vaccine per se <laughs> and she just thought she didn't want to be like a guinea pig so she just never got it um well and you're right there was I, I don't really I'm I'm not I'm okay with that. I like mm -hmm. I understand that that um I I feel like I know I know people who have gotten the back the vaccine have gotten the booster all like both shots and the booster and they have covid now today. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. 
that was my case. I'd gotten all the vaccines and the boosters. And then in February of 2022, or was it January? I got COVID. I'd gone back to teaching in person uh -huh. and we were wearing masks and they said that the air filtration was updated, but I, I got COVID. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. After, um, after I retired, uh, of August of 2021, I, I traveled a little bit because I did get the vaccine because my family guilted me into it. Mm -hmm. I'm not proud of, but it happened. <laughs> um, and, and I also wanted to travel. So I, I went out to Washington state uh, one of my best friends lives in Seattle and I, I went, I wanted to be in nature. Yeah. So Washington has the water, the mountains and the trees, which I love all of them. And, um, so I went out there for three weeks and we went into some of the, like, we went to North Cascades National Park. So my friend lives in Seattle. So I was just amazed at seeing um, the beauty of it. It's gorgeous out there. People fishing for salmon and catching like a two foot salmon in a city park, yeah. you know, and um, at, at, that's on, on uh, Puget Sound or whatever, but people can fish for salmon in the city parks, which I think, you know, I'm from Queens. That's, that's like, really? I, I must have screamed like, Oh my God. Oh my God. This is incredible for like an hour. But, uh, but just seeing the trees and the mountains and being in that space was very soothing and calming and, and what I needed. And, um, so that whole time before, um, before I had retired as I was trying to be able to be outside more, that's when I started going to like, you know, walking in the parks actually, rather than just standing there or driving around and being more comfortable being around people. We were also about to have to, we, at that point, we had to go to, into the office once a week oh. or three times a week or something. I don't know. But because of the size of the office, they were cut to 50%. So people had to alternate days and it was just nonsensical. <laughs> you know, it was nice that they were trying, but yeah. you know, it was still nonsensical. And um, to me, and I know I was lucky because in a lot of ways, I didn't really have to go into the office. And the times that I did go, there were there was nobody else there. Mm. Um, but just being outside and, and watching and hearing people's uh, struggles, there's a lot of mental anguish in people. And... I, I, I don't really watch the news. Um, I stopped watching the news over 30 years ago. Like mm -hmm. I, I'll turn it on and it, it's the first thing that comes on when you turn on the television. But um, if there are three bad things in a row, then I turn it off. And that usually happens like very quickly. I, I'll listen to the weather and then any three, uh, three things in a row, three strikes you're out. And I, I began really filtering my intake of hysteria and of what I call propaganda. And, you know, I, I really be began to be even more conscious of what I take in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain types of shows. Like if you if you turn on your TV and you you look at the guide, there's so many shows that are about crime and murder and and missing people and abuse and all. Like it just is just it's too much. Yeah. And I started um, following different things. Like I would go on Instagram and follow things that that were about books and writing and art and that type of thing. And when I retired, I bought myself a camera because I really want to learn how to take, people always say I take good pictures, but I don't know how to really use a camera. And that, so I bought a camera to play with and to try to take pictures and learn uh, how to do photography and maybe take a photography class, which I haven't done yet. Um, I also bought myself a bunch of paints and a bunch of um, uh, inks to do different types of artwork with and, and got a few things so I could be more creative because I think I'm supposed to be an artist. <laughs> Uh, or writer and some some form of art I'm supposed to produce so I started um taking more time to 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 do that but me being a a teacher and a, a a person who I feel will always be a student um I have you know I said well when I retire maybe I'll do this I I taught ESL part time for a few years and I said well you know, that's something I could do when I retire. Um, so I, I signed up for some uh, a certificate course, which in hindsight, it's like, hmm, I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. Mm-hmm. And I did learn a lot. It was challenging. And it was, it was from September through April. And it was, you know, a lot of work but I signed up for it. <laughs> so <laughs> I did it and I made it through. Um, but, you know, I decided, yeah, I told everybody, okay, I'm finished with that. The next time I, um, the next time I say I'm going to school, tell me it better be for something fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I, 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 I learned things about myself. Oh. I, I, I was able to travel a little bit because I got the vaccine um, mm-hmm. still against my will because I really don't, I'm, I'm not happy about it. It's like a, a point of shame for myself that uh. I actually did that. I don't, I don't, because if I'm, if I know people who are vaccinated and they still are getting COVID, then what was the point? Right. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I, I signed up to the mass. Well, I didn't sign up to the mass hysteria. I, I, I fell into, to going to taking it and going along with it. I don't necessarily um, know or believe that it was good for me and hope and pray that it wasn't detrimental. Right. Um, yeah, but I, I, I was able to travel a little bit during that time. So I, where did you go? Well, first I went to Seattle for the three weeks and I, I went to Maryland to visit a friend. I wanted to go to, um, since I was in Seattle and on the West coast, I wanted to kind of go to the national parks, like go see the sequoia trees or, or the redwoods 
you know, in California, but my brother who lives in California said, you know, I'm, I don't want to really go out because I'm seeing that a lot of people going to these places, like they're, they're a lot more crowded because people are going there and people are getting COVID. And I was like, you know what, I'm not going to bend anybody's arm. I just, I'll do it another time. So I, I actually, um, I think I went to Barbados like three times <laughs> uh, since, oh, wow. yeah, I went, I went October, December and February. And um, my parents are from Guyana, uh, but my grandfathers were both from Barbados. And I wanted to do some like genealogical research. So like every time I've gone to Barbados, I said, you know, it'd be cool if I could find out anything about, you know, my, my ancestors, about my, my grandfathers or whatever. And um, so when I, I, I went in, October was a friend of mine who's from there. It was her birthday and she invited me. Her family was going, she said, why don't you come? And I was like, okay, cool. So then in December, she said, I have to go back. Um, I forgot. I have to take care of some business. Do you want to come? And I'm like, well, I'm retired. I, I'm coming. I can go. So <laughs> I can do my classes online. So I went um, and this, that time in December, I asked, you know, one of her relatives, if, where do I go if I want to find out about my, my grandfather's like history or family, anything about my family? So he said, you have to go to the archives. So I went to the archives and the, the people there were extremely helpful and kind. And they actually gave like they have these big book of records that you can look back and see um, actual entry. They, 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 were, they didn't have birth certificates back then. Um, they had baptismal records. Mm -hmm. So she, she said, well, look, this is how she showed me how to do it. And she said, I would, you could start right here. And I sat there and looked through this book for over an hour. I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let me go look on the microfilm. And we couldn't find anything. And then she said, I said, well, let me try the books one more time. And so I actually accidentally opened the book several pages before where I started. And I looked down on the page and there was my grandfather's handwritten name in this book. And I was like, that's what it felt like. Like, oh my God, he's telling me he's, I'm here. I'm here. Oh. So from that, I was able to see his parents' names. I knew his name. Um, and I was able to get his parents' names and find their marriage certificate, which gave me their parents' names. And then, you know, so I was able to go back, I think to like 18, it was before, like around 1860 something. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get records of my, back to my great, great grandparents. Oh, wow. wow. And yeah, it was, it's just like amazing because from that, I had information on where he was born and where they got married. So her, her, um, the, the guy that was taking, that took me there, he said, oh, do you want to see where that is? So we wound up, he took me to the places oh, wow. where I, I have a picture of the church where my grandfather was baptized and they lived on this land. So he took me to the land and it was clear from seeing this land that it was a plantation and okay. it's in Barbados. It was in December. It, it's hot and, you know, 
in the 80s or whatever. And just seeing, you know, there was this big, um, like almost like a bell tower in, in, in the middle of a circle on this land. Mm-hmm. And then it's all surrounded by cane fields or, and, and, um, and it was weird because, well, weird is not the word. It was, I'm still speechless because yeah. you know what the weather is like, you know what the, con- the, the conditions are like to, to know that people were actually working on this land as uh, slaves and sharecroppers and that type of thing. Um, about four, four years ago, mm-hmm. as, as a person whose parents are from the West Indies and Guyana is South America technically, but yeah, the West, Gu- Guyanese black people are West Indian, right. <laughs> regardless of what anybody wants to say. Right. Um, and, and, and then further back from Barbados, um, I knew that there must be some enslavement in that history, but I didn't actually have any proof or relevance of it until four years ago. Hmm. And at, at being an adult and, you know, like, you know, it, like I know friends who are like American black people or African-American or however people want to identify, um, they know their family history or though that their family's from, you know, whatever place in, in, in the South and, and a lot of, or more of that history than I have ever known. And to see, I want one of my, just one of my cousins or had found like the ship's record of my great, 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 or maybe three or four great grandmothers coming from either North or South Carolina, going from there on a ship as property to Scotland and then to England and then to Barbados. And I think I was speechless for the whole, I don't know for how, for that whole day or not, like just processing that. And it's like, well, you like I kept saying to myself, but you knew this had to be part of it because how did they get here? Hmm. And then, then also seeing my great, great, great or great grandfather going from England to Barbados. Hmm. And now being in Barbados, looking at a record showing me that this is where they got married. And this is where, like, they got married and they were, you know, I don't, it it was. (sighs) It's heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. So. Living through what we're living through might be a big deal now, but living through whatever they lived through, is monumental Mm. and surviving and thriving and creating 
a history of people who have built a foundation for me and for my family and for my, for my parents and for that whole generation of my parents um all all of those people who who had done so much and built so much and you know it, it, i'm glad that i cleared out all the excess noise that was um happening in to me and in my life and i guess in everybody's life but just there was just too much noise for me mm -hmm. and i'm glad that i got rid of that so i can focus on things that are that are important to me and important in my life and important in me moving forward in life and kind of really getting rid of that's like another like not watching the news and TV and listening to all that nonsense. That's going to be history because that's what they want in history. But there's this history that I got to kind of start unfolding um, that's so much more important to what matters to me. So when did you go to Barbados? Um, well, I've been to Barbados a lot of times, but oh. when I when I found that stuff, when I found that, um, that was December of 2021. Mm. December of 2021. And I forgot to ask how you identify. So do you identify as Caribbean American or or black? Well, I'm black. I was born a Negro, but then I became black. <laughs> oh, that's right, Negro. Yeah, yeah. When I was born, we were. Uh, I was a Negro, uh, but basically, uh, I'm, I, I'm. I identify as black, or I guess Afro Caribbean, because my parents are from that environment, and um, so, and I'm first generation American. So my my parents came here. In, in 1950, they got married here. Um, they were both the first in their, in their like of their siblings to come here, I think. Um, I, I believe so with my father. I don't really um, know a lot about my father's family, uh, but I, you know, I know one of his sisters and I, I, we, we've spent time with her family and her kids. Uh, with my mother's family, my mother's family is very, very big, mm. very big. And um, so I don't even know all of my mother's family mm -hmm. because I, we, in, in my immediate family, we were the first um, of all the grandchildren that were born in America. So there are five, there were five of us and we were all born here. Oh, wow. So the rest, and, and then later, years later, we had two, two cousins in, in our generation of, of those siblings. Mm -hmm. But, you know, now there's great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren, and I, I don't even know all of them. Um, but, yeah, so I was a, a, a child of immigrants. Um, 
who might, you know, growing up here. Yeah. So I'm American, but I'm black, I guess, you know, and I'm a New Yorker, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which is a whole different thing in itself. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your personal history with me with this oral history project. Oh. Um, thank you oh. so much for your time. Oh, no problem. No problem. You're more than welcome. Thank you for listening to my conversation on this episode of Black America and COVID, an oral history project. If you enjoyed the episode, then please give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. The more five stars the podcast has, the more visible it is, the more access I have to people who would like to share their story living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are a Black American and you would like to share your experience with me, then email me at soniakilabrew at gmail.com. The emails in the show notes of the podcast or direct message me through my Instagram account, Black America and COVID, all one word, all lowercase. If you are a non-Black American and you would like to memorialize the life of a Black American sadly lost during the COVID-19 pandemic, then email me as well. This episode was written, produced, and audio engineered by me, Sonia Jean Killebrew, podcast host and executive producer. Thanks for listening to my oral history project, Black America and COVID.